It's good to have you here tonight. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Second Peter chapter number 1. We'll begin at verse number 5 tonight. 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 5. We're going to continue on in our study of these things. I, I think this is really important. If you get nothing out of it, you can't put it all together, perhaps you'll get a better understanding of each one of these things. Uh, like tonight, we'll hit on faith just a little bit, uh, but then we're going into what do you add to faith? We'll start there. And so that's kind of where we're starting tonight. So look down in verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Everything has to start with faith. Everything has to start with faith. Everything is done by faith. So we need to understand what faith is. Okay? Virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall never, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. He cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, giving, give, give all diligence. We talked about that last week. I hope you were here. Make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, if you do these things, and I just believe them, and I just quote them, if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of, there it is, these things. Though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting in you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my departure, to have these things always in remembrance. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help me, please, tonight to help your people. A little more information, a little more understanding a little more to apply to their life, have a little better insight on what it is you want to do or would like to do with us and for us. And so help us, please, tonight to get a little better handle on these things. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some people haven't been with us. I, I, I don't know exactly who you are, uh, but maybe you have not been with us. I'm going to review real quick here in a minute. So we have to understand that God guarantees six great promises. I mean, almost unbelievable promise. You shall never fall. Wow, what a promise. Uh, you'll be able to see the will of God for you out in front of you. Uh, maybe not all details, not what he's talking about, just that, no, here's what God wants me to do. I'm sure of that, that kind of a thing. Some people don't. They have no uh, discernment. They have no wisdom and understanding of those things. These are six big league promises. You're not going to get these by just trying your best. Uh, he said you have to do these things, and they have to abound in you. You have to do them, and they have to abound. They have to be found in you. Understand, if these be in you, they make you, these things make you, and then he tells you about these promises. You think you'd want to know, man, I want to know what that is. And so that's why I'm trying to teach you this tonight. Verse number 8, he said, he said you can have these. You'll neither be barren. You'll not be useless. Can you think of anything more, being a born-again Christian, a child of God, and be absolutely useless? 
Now, people that just sit in church don't do anything, you're, you're not useless. You just won't get involved. God can use you. That's why you're here. Uh, but you got to get involved. So not be fruitful, and then it, it neither be barren, uh, not useless. It, it, it always be useful. There's always something that God has for you to do. Uh, and so then the next thing, look at verse 8, nor unfruitful. Remember we talked about success and good success. A lot of people in the world, even a lot of Christians have success, but it's not good success. Good success is the way God defines it. And so just like he told uh, Joshua, he said, if you don't go to the left or the right, you shall have good success. He didn't say success. He didn't say you just beat everybody. He said you'll have good success, and God would bless him with that. So you'll prosper. It's like fruit bearing. You're prospering. When everything is going right in the fruit field, you are prospering, and this is what God wants for you. Uh, I'm sorry. This is what you can have. God promised you these things. If these things be in you. Verse number 9, cannot see afar off. It's amazing how many Christians anymore, even in everyday situations, uh, they have no discernment. Discernment is having the wisdom to know ahead of time, that's not a good idea. You see problems in everyday things of life and go, uh, the end isn't clear. I, I don't think I want to do that. Now, that's just wisdom. Better than just stepping out and going, oh, my goodness, what did I do? So this is what we're talking about here. They can see afar off. It, we're just lacking a lot of discernment anymore today. And to me, it's because we don't know God's word very well. But they cannot see afar off and cannot see clearly God's will for you. Verse number 10, you shall never fall. Ooh, that can't be true. That, there's no way that can be true. It has to be. It's in the Bible, right? And so he says, ye shall never fall. Did I read that right? Is that what it says? Ye shall never fall. Hold on, hold on. There are some prerequisites, and then there's also in you and abound. These things have to be in you and abound. So don't just, I'm trying, and it didn't happen. No, he didn't say anything about trying. They have to be in you and abound. He's not talking here about you shall never fall. Salvation, that's impossible. We have too many scriptures that say you're saved forever. I'm not on we have too many scriptures that say you're saved eternally. But he's talking about your life. He's talking about your testimony. He's not talking about you never sin. We all sin. He's not talking about you don't trip and fall, uh, trip and, and, and struggle. Even a righteous man falleth seven times. The key to this is, but you'll get back up, won't you? You'll do it again, won't you? You'll stay at it again, won't you? See, a lot of people, as long as everything is perfect, they can do it. I know, I'm thinking right now about two people that I know that says, well, I'm just a perfectionist. First of all, that's nothing but pride. Uh, I'm, I'm just a perfectionist. And uh, what they're saying is, as long as my plan goes exactly the way I want to, I can make things work. I'm not sure what planet they're on, but I don't know of any plan that works perfectly. The question is, is when it goes wrong, what do you do? Can you roll with the punch? Can you redesign and keep heading in the right direction? This is what I think he's talking about here. He's talking about your life, your testimony, your influence for Christ. When people sin, you don't have to ruin your entire influence for Christ. Get back on your feet, make things right, make those adjustments, and get back in the battle. Go down to verse number 12. Established in the present truth. Boy, we could use that today, couldn't we? Established. Settled. Foundation. Immovable. I don't need to move. I don't really need to think anything. I don't have to rethink anything. God's word is right. All I got to do is figure that out and go that direction. Yeah, but things are changing. It has nothing to do with me. Now, there's a difference between, you have to be careful about this, improving and changing. You can have a car that's all muddy and your tires are bald and everything, uh, but the car is brand new. You just, you just didn't treat it right. Okay, go get the thing cleaned up. You don't need a new car. You just need to fix what's there. 
the same thing in our Christian life many times. You don't need to find something new. Preachers panic too much. My opinion, sorry, that's just what they do. And established in the present truth. You won't keep changing. You won't be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Did you hear that new church out there, what they're talking about? I wonder if that, what are you doing? Blown around by every wind of doctrine. Do you not know the Bible? Maybe this really and true, this thing about eternal security. You better hope it is. If God changes his mind, we're all in trouble. So established, not blown around. You won't stray into error. You don't need to read all that's wrong with all the false religions to find out if what you believe is true. That's backward. In the Bible, Paul said, I would, or I would rather, you be ignorant unto that which is evil and, and what's that? And, oh my goodness. Ignorant to that which is evil. He didn't say knowledgeable. Oh, and wise unto that which is good. So God is simply saying, you don't need to find out all about that. You find this out, you're going to be okay. But see, the world has made us feel ignorant because all we know is the Bible. I always tell people, yeah, you got me. All I know is what God says. Yep, I'm pretty dumb. Yeah, all I know is what God says. And so then he said in verse number uh, 11, which is the sixth promise, you'll have a promise of the blessing of having a portion of eternal happiness. He doesn't talk about being in heaven happiness. You can have that down here. You can actually have joy and happiness down here on this terrible planet. You really can. But you have to do, understand, all of these are promised. This is the unbelievable chicken. This is the product. This is the what you want. But now let's talk about the ingredients and the requirements. I knew there was a catch. These big lead promises, you thought God just going to hand them to you because you liked them? God said, no, you want them that bad? This is the requirements, and that's what we're going to get into. These six promises hinge upon a person having these things, verse number eight, be in you and abound. They have to be in you and abound. But there are some prerequisites, some preparations we must make in order to acquire these things. So I have to have these things to get these promises. But there's some prerequisites before I can do that. It sounds real complicated, but it's really not. These things one must have in them and abound in their lives to receive these six great promises are found in verse number five through seven. We're talking about three verses. That's all. But look what's in them. Watch what happens. Go to verse number uh, five. Look at verse five. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith. That's the first one. Everything's about faith. Everything. Trusting the Lord, working for God, uh, following his program. Look, folks, you can't make up what you think is okay with God. If you're not sure, my advice, don't do it until you find out. Got the children of Israel in all kinds of problems. Always talking about what God didn't say. Always talking about what God left out. There's so much in here, most of us aren't doing half of this to begin with. You think there'd be plenty in there just to do that. But watch what he says here in verse number five. And beside this, give all dil- giving all diligence, add to your faith. We talked about diligence. Diligence is what? Do it right, but hurry up. Right? Hurry up. Do it right. Get these things. You don't have a lifetime to get them. These are important things. You want these blessings, you got to get with the program. So don't take your whole life to add these to your, to, to your life. Let's get with the program. Diligence. Diligence, add to your faith. Virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness, charity. Number one, 
some of the prerequisites here to acquire these things is you doing one or two of these things will not get you any of these promises. It's all or nothing. Okay? So you cannot do one of these things done alone will get you any of these promises. Number two, these are all prerequisites. Number two, you must abound in these things. You must abound in them. You can't just dabble in them. You can't just, I think I have one or two of them. No, you must abound. That means overflowing. That means it's just, it's almost just you now. That's just the way it goes. And so you need to remember. Then number three, he said all eight of these, I said all eight of these must uh, come or be added in a proper order. Remember what he said, and add two. And then to that, add two. And then to that, he didn't say add, you just get them all together if you can. That's not what he said. He said you start with faith. And then there's virtue. And you better be diligent about it too. Don't have all the time in the world. And each one you're adding to. So there is an order here in these three verses. You can't just pick and choose and add them any way you want to. Nothing in life really works that way. And so he said, uh, all eight must come in a certain order. Remember, God and you are building a life to deposit these grand promises into. So he says, okay, add this. Now add that. Now add this. Now add that. I've told you before about women. Uh, there are certain recipes I make any sense to me. But you can't just, okay, I've got all the ingredients, dump it in a pan, mix it all up, it should come out okay. Some of them say, no, that has to be added later after these four things are put in there. You have to follow the recipe in order to get the cake mix. So that's what you have to do. So then number uh, four, he said you must be diligent in, uh, in, in acquiring these eight things. you got to hurry up. Uh, we're, we're, we're like kids trying to grow up today. Uh, you know, what's the big deal? Life's not that good anymore. I think I'll just stay home and live in the basement. We're, we're not in any hurry to grow up anymore. And God says, okay, be diligent. Be diligent. Hurry up and get a hold of these things. Now, do it right, but hurry up. Hurry up and do it right. And God said, these are precious promises. In order to get them, you have to have these eight things in you. Now, come on, let's give it the program. You got all your life. Many of us have started off late in life to begin with, didn't we? And then number five, he said it must be, or I said it must be in your subconscious. You have to meditate on this. I mean, it's got to be a part of you. It becomes a part of your character. Ever hear people go like this, is that all you ever talk about is the Bible? <laughs> they don't say that to you. Uh, you ever, <laughs> sorry, I need to embarrass you. Uh, but that's what they say. It's like, actually, I, I try to learn a lot about a lot of stuff. But my, my center of everything is the Bible. And so when people talk to you, it's just, it's not that I plan, okay, I'm getting ready for an argument and I've got all my ducks in line. It's nice if you can do that, but that's not the way it works. It's just there. You think about it all the time. You talk about it all the time. You study about it all the time. You live it all the time. It just becomes you, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And so you meditate it all the time. It's in your conscience. You just consume it. So we have five prerequisites. I just read them to you to get these eight things so that we can have six tremendous promises. That's math in the Bible, right? So, tonight I want to talk to you about virtue. You know what virtue is? Now, first of all, when Jesus, so when a woman uh, was crawling and touched the hem of his garment, he said, who touched me? For I felt that virtue had gone out of my body. In that particular case, he's talking about power. But that's not what he's talking about here. We'll talk about this now. So look, if you would, please, uh, the definition for faith. Uh, look what he says. The very first thing you start off with, beside this, give all those add to your faith. Faith. Uh, somebody has said faith is, is this, belief, doubt, 
but do it anyway. I believe that. Oh, I don't know. You mean that's really well, okay, well I'll go ahead and do it. That's faith. Faith is saying, I can't see my way clear, but if that's what God said, I'm gonna do it. That's what faith is. Very simplified, but that's what faith is. Faith isn't saying, I can see my way through it and I trust God. Okay, then you can see your way through it. You don't have to trust anybody. So what he's saying is, well, we'll talk about that. And then you act upon that truth. You do not have faith. You do faith. Think about what I just said. That may be new to you. You don't have faith. You do faith. What do I mean by that? Faith is not just works. It is action in obedience to truth. That's what faith is. It's action. You can say, I believe this, I believe that, I believe this, I believe that. Okay. Faith without works is dead. doesn't mean a thing. It's just belief. So therefore, faith is actually do, not just believe. Okay? So watch what happens here. Go to, go to uh, Hebrews chapter number 11 real quick. Let me show you something, why, why I say this. It's action in obedience to truth. If you do not act on the truth, you are disobedient. So faith is acting upon truth. Show what I'm talking about. It has works with it. Watch. And what you find here is you, the first person you run into it says, by faith, Noah, uh, go down to verse number seven. See, by faith, Noah being warned, blah, 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 blah. He prepared an ark. He built. God told him to do something. Nobody ever had a boat before. Uh, not, not there anyway. It never rained before. And he said, so there was doubt there. Rain? You mean like water coming from up above? It's never done that before. Nevertheless, it's your word. I'll build the boat. See, there was doubt. I believe God. How is this going to work? All right, I'll do it anyway. Okay, look if you would, please go down to Abraham. The Bible said, by faith, Abraham went to a place that whereunto he was called, in verse number eight, should afterward receive. Now, let me get this straight. You've never been there. God didn't tell you exactly where it was, but God said, "This is, I just want you to follow me and go there. And he said, okay. God said it. I believe that. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's faith. Faith has action to it. It is not faith with no action. It's just belief. You, you, are you following me? I have a point in all this. By faith, Abel gave a more excellent sacrifice. His mom and dad taught him how to give sacrifice. Both the boys did. They both did. And one said, I don't know why this is that important to God, but I guess it will be someday, maybe on a cross thousands of years away. Uh, but he said, uh, if that's what God wants, I don't understand this, but I'll do it. Cain said, I don't understand it. I don't have to do it. I gave enough right there. So what happened was he believed God, maybe not fully understood why, but he did it anyway. This is the problem we as Americans run into. Well, just Why? Well, I know what you said, but why? Well, yeah, that's what it says in the Bible, but how come? You know, this is what we do, and it hinders us by, by living by faith. This is the problem we run into. Every college student can identify with this. Me going off to college, God called me to full-time service. Had a real tough time leaving, real tough time. I first established that, yes, God wanted me to go because he wanted to use me. That part I already knew. Lots of doubt. God, I have two kids. Well, at that time, we had four. I've got four kids, a dog, a wife, you know, that goes, right? And uh, so I have all these things here. God, I told God I would go. 
if I knew what to do. I didn't, he would take care of me. God called me to go somewhere and he ain't going to take care of me. So can you understand a pastor telling his people live by faith and he never has? Can you see a pastor telling people to give and he doesn't? So can you tell a pastor who's got a business on the side, folks, you need to learn how to live by faith. Well, you're not. I knew a pastor one time that bought a set of apartment buildings, a whole building. And I said, uh, don't you go in the ministry? Well, in case it doesn't work out, I have something to fall back on. Oh, I bet that'll inspire faith in your people, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what our preacher does. As long as it's convenient, he'll trust the Lord. That's not faith. That's not faith at all. That's not the way. It may make sense to you. Uh, that's just businesslike, but that's not the way God wants to be done. So I told God that I would go. I trusted him to meet my needs. I said, I'll go. I trust you. That's belief. That's all it is so far. That's just belief. I'll go, and I trust you. That's just belief. I hadn't gone yet. Yet I doubt it would all work out. I had doubt. I worked. We didn't even have a house ready when we first got down there. I had no job. I was sure God said go. Look, I didn't want to. This thing about, oh, I want to go to college. It would be so cool. That's a place to learn things you never ran into before. Okay? And so I had lots of doubts. I mean, I had a family I'm responsible for. I just told everybody at the church I left that this is what God wants me to do. I had people at Rockwell patronizing me. Hey, George, way to go, buddy. We're praying for you while you're going. Uh, keep in touch with They didn't care. And so you find out here, but when I drove away, off to college, my belief with the doubt I put into action, and that's faith. Does that make sense? Okay, now with that in mind. The Mount of Transfiguration, another example. What we have here is a man came to the disciples and said, I have a demon son, he's got problems, and I sure could use you guys to heal him. But this came down from Mount Transfiguration. All power, heaven and earth, everywhere. Okay, got all that stuff. Jesus came to the man, and the man described him. I went to your disciples. They couldn't help me. And Jesus healed the boy. Just like that. Just said. And he healed him. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. You have to believe. It has to start there. You have to believe God's word. It has to just, Okay, we're talking about these eight things. Then you keep going, really? You mean, I, I'll get these promises if I do these things, right? So you, you, you believe it because Bible, but that's not faith. And it starts with faith. You have to start with faith. The man said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. You know what he's saying? He's simply saying this. I have doubts, but I'm asking you anyway because I think you can. I saw you heal that person. I heard what you said over there, and somebody told me what happened over there. So I believe that. I have so many doubts but I'm going to ask you anyway. You understand? So this is what we're talking about here tonight. The response, Jesus reacted not to his belief, but him acting upon his belief enough to trust Jesus. And that's why Jesus did what he did. You ever, you ever pray and about something very, very important when you're done? It didn't work out the way you prayed. And here's what he said, I knew it. Do you have Bible that says, this is the way God will act. Okay, that's your belief. Everybody has doubt. If you don't have doubt, do it yourself. But it's that big, I had to go to God. I had to ask God something. 
So now, in spite of my doubt, I believe he can. You hear people, I believe God can do anything. Then how come you, you know. So what you did, in spite of that, I'm going to trust the Lord. I don't see the end of it. I know it's the right thing to do. I can see it in the Bible. I know I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I don't know how this is going to come together. And you do it anyway. That is belief, doubt, you're going to do it anyway. That is faith. Faith has action to it. And so this is what we're talking about here tonight. So he said, add to your faith. So now I've got faith. Everything has to be added to faith. Everything has to be, everything is added by faith. Everything has to be added to your faith. Virtue comes from the word virtus. It's, it's a Latin word. Doesn't that sound smart right now? Uh, I looked all this up. Which when Jesus, the woman, touched him, he said, for vir- he said how do you know that? For virtue had gone out of my body. That's talking about power. He said, I felt healing power leave my body when that woman touched me. We're not talking about that. Here, this comes from a Latin word, believe it or not, and it means manliness. Not just for men. It's talking about a characteristic that men should have. Men should have. It is a masculine quality, but it is to be had by everybody. So you say to yourself, Oh, I know what a man's like. He's got a he's got a fifty-three inch chest and a twenty-three inch waist. And I told you not to use me as an example, but there you go anyway. So, and we normally think of manliness as strong, athletic, uh, able to do great things. That's what we normally think of. God says virtue is manliness. It's a masculine characteristic. And this is what he's talking about here. He's not talking about power. He's talking about a characteristic. Of manliness. So, what do we mean by that? So, what is virtue? I, I, if I must add this to my faith in order to add knowledge to that, what is virtue? So I can be diligent about. I want to make sure I get the right thing. I want to make sure I understand what virtue is. If God said I have to add this first step to my faith, what is virtue? Four words or phrases to describe virtue. And I know all of you memorize this, but whatever. Excellence. That used to be a manly characteristic. You know that? No matter what a man did, he gave it everything he got. He did, it had to be done right. I like the old artisans. I love people who work with wood. And you see these, you watch these old house hunter shows and that kind of stuff where they get the older houses and they've got to get, I mean, old guys, old guys that work with hand tools and, and they knew how to rub wood and they knew how to finish wood. And you just amaze, you go, are you kidding me? Look how that turned out. That is, a, you know why? He wasn't in it for the money, though those guys make lots of money. He was in it for the excellence. It was just part of his care. It's nowadays when a guy goes like this, I'll be there. You could depend. It was a manly quality. It was, it was just what, it was a sign of excellence. No, no, he'll be here. He gave his word. He said he'd be there. That's just what it used to be. It means completing a task. Finish what you start. Always, always. Quit making excuses. Well, I couldn't. Well, I was late. Well, it didn't work out right. We have excuses for everything. That's not a manly quality of excellence. Doing the task well and doing a good quality. Give the very best you got. Don't just do it well. The best you've got. You know something? I wish, I wish businesses would understand you could advertise a whole lot less if you just quit changing your word all the time. I was watching a commercial about Wendy's the other day. If they made hamburgers like that, I'd go camp out at Wendy's. They must be that thick on the commercial. 
when you go get one, you can't hardly find it. It's about that thin, and the cheese doesn't even cover it anymore. The cheese has shrunk up, the hamburger shrunk down, and they're still advertising. That's false advertising. Oh, trust me, man, we'll do a good job. Yeah, I've been a mechanic now for 45 years. And you get it back, and you say, what's that noise? Couldn't find that one. That's what I brought it in for. What are you doing here? So the excellence, the quality, it's a manly characteristic. Virtue is what he's talking about here. We could describe virtue in a way that it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 10. Go there, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Here's another way to describe it. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Go down to verse number 10. You know this verse. Whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it best you can. Do enough to get by. Hey, what do you want out of me? I've had people come and uh, ask them back in the day. I don't do this anymore. I've wised up. And people say, yeah, I can do that job. And then when it doesn't turn out right, they go, hey, look, that's the best I can do. Why didn't you tell me that ahead of time? Because they wanted the money, not the excellence put into the job. So here he said, whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with all thy might. Bible virtue is whatever you do, do it well, do it with excellence, moral excellence in obeying God. Same thing, moral excellence, moral excellence. You know what that is? Live excellent, live right. Don't just do enough to get by. Go the extra mile. Get everything out of the way. Live the way you're supposed to. Give it all you got. Why? Live excellent. It used to be a moral character. There are people that used to live in the world that live better than some Christians I know now. They dress better. They talk better. They're more polite. Yeah, whatever. When did we get so sloppy? Our excellence is falling off the, off the charts. Just being godly. You men and women, if you would, if you want to illustrate in your life this masculine characteristic, do a task as well as you can. Ladies, clean your house. That's good enough. That don't sound like excellence. Well, who's going to care? You should. Well, I got a little quiet. I didn't mean to offend everybody. But that, that's the way it needs to be done, with quality. Complete it with excellence. I used to lay carpet when I was done. I hate laying carpet, by the way, so don't ask me. Uh, and I used to lay carpet. But there's one thing I really did like about it is when I was done. When I was done, you have to go back through the house and pick up all your scraps and clean up the place and before you walk out. So what you're doing, you're walking back through all the work you just did. Now, carpet layers are always concerned about the stretch and the seams. And I walk back through, and I could be dead tired, and I would actually smile and go, looks good. I was pleased. I was pleased with my work. I could leave the house now and think to myself, it's the way it should be. This is the way carpet should be. And so that's what we're talking about. Nobody else was around. It was just me. And I could make all kinds of excuses. Well, you have to, you have to allow for some stretch, you know. That big bump in the middle, yeah, that'll go away. Put a piano over it. It's not a big deal. You know, that's what we say. So what happens here? We're talking about virtue. Whether you're working at Sam's Club or down here at UDF. Don't work down there. People get shot. You do the very best you can. We tend to act like the people we're around. Therefore, we're really not the example to them. And we start blending in with them. 
You're not there just to make money. You are there to be a witness for Christ. You thought that job was just to make money. <coughs> but then you go there and start making friends. And those friends start changing your mind about things. You know why? You weren't there to make friends. Be friendly. You're there to work. I was asked today, actually, by one of our teenagers here, said, what do you do when you have a lot of downtime at work? It's a good question. Best for a teenager. What do you do? I said, well, they'll either ask you questions that even they can't answer, or they'll just leave you alone. Now, most people don't like being alone, especially teenagers. We just don't like it. But I think it was, you may correct me on this because I'm not sure who it was, but one of the um, founding fathers, I believe it was, said it would be better to be alone than to be in bad company. But we don't like being alone. See, parents will say that, man, I don't care what they think, I'll sit by myself. Younger people are not that way. They're very social. They pout a lot, but they're very social. And so what happens is you have to learn how to do that. And a real easy way to do that is get your brown bag out, get your bologna sandwich, get a big Bible. I don't care if it's a family Bible. Uh, hey, Bell, what's that? Uh, it's the Bible. Oh. Now, they'll question you a few times. Just see if you know what you're doing. Then after that, they'll either leave you alone or they'll go get somebody else who has different questions. Now, the different question would be good for you. Don't just keep saying, my preacher knows that. My preacher knows that. If you need to talk to my preacher. No, they need to talk to you. That's why you're there. And so you need to learn how to do these things. And you need to live that kind of life, whether it's Sam's Club, McDonald's. It doesn't make any difference what you're doing. Whatsoever thy hand findeth. We're talking about virtue. We're talking about a manly characteristic that God said, this is one of those things that you have to have and it has to abound. It has to abound. For you to always keep saying, oh, they're asking for help. Let me see if I can get out of here. You think you're getting over. When I used to work in warehouses, they called it ghosting. Do they still call it that? They called it ghosting. Well, where's, where's Jim? Jim? I don't know. He's never around. You And then at the end, they're going like this. Man, I think I probably worked an hour and a half and they got paid for eight hours. He really thinks he's getting over. And he'll make you think he's getting over. Until it comes time for layoffs. Or to be fired, he's the first one. And the guy that everybody kept saying, man, slow down, you're making us look bad. Don't fall for that. Man, you need to slow down, you're making us look bad. I just look at him and go, then why don't you start working? Bell, what's the matter with you? Don't listen to that stuff. They're trying to cause you to pull things down. Add to, bring it up alongside, bring virtue up alongside your faith. Your faith is, I, I believe God, I have a lot of that, I'm going to do it anyway. It doesn't make sense sometimes, but if that's what God wants, I'll march around this great big city seven times on this last day. Nothing's happened yet, but I'll do it anyway, because God said. And I doubt anything's going to happen. That's my best imitation of walls falling down. Now, if you're walking here, turn to Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. In Galatians chapter number (coughs) 6. The Bible said you add to your faith virtue. So the first thing I have to have is faith. You have to be saved, and then you have to start believing God in spite of doubts. And God said the first thing I want you to add to your faith is virtue. You just you notice when people come out of the world, they're lacking so much manliness, character, uh, quality, excellence, uh, behavior. It's lacking everything anymore. It didn't used to be that way. 
You could go to a lost man's house and he'd ask, well, hello, how are you today? Oh, no, absolutely. Come on in, please. You know, and, and they had more quality and excellence about them than Christians did. It's a shame. It's embarrassing. It's what it is. And so these things right here, just forget it. Well, I'm just rough talking. That's just the way I am. Then forget these promises. They're not yours. You've got to do things with excellence. And so this is what he's talking about. Look in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Well-doing, not just doing, but doing it well. And he says this, uh, verse number 9, For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It does not mean let us not grow tired in giving to the poor. It doesn't say that. Growing weary in going to hospitals. That's not what he's saying. Well is an adverb modifying the word doing. Melissa, how am I doing? Like that, like that. Melissa woke up and said, wow, that was great. So what he's saying here is this. Let us not be weary in doing well what we do. Whatever it is. Quit being weary of doing well. Not just doing, doing it well. Well, nobody else seems to do that. That's not the point. You will. You be the first one. You do it right. Maybe somebody else will follow you. So God said, in case you want these promises, this is the very first quality you have to add to your faith. Bring it right up alongside your faith like they're twins, and this is the way we're going to get started, adding these things to your life. Virtue, a manly characteristic, a characteristic of doing well what you do. I don't care what it is. Uh, you guys, look, you see those hands there? I... I, I really slow down and concentrate on writing just for me to read my writing. He's not in here. Brother Cedarwood, he cannot print or write with a nickel. He can't. He'll tell you that. No, he, he'll say, oh, that's right. He's doing what I... <laughs> <laughs> but he's the greatest guy I've ever met. But he'll tell you, so what they're teaching today, actually for a while they were stopping teaching um, uh, cursive. And they said, oops, we made a mistake. Well, everybody's going to typing, so what difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. One has to do with character, learning, doing things right, no pun intended. And so here's what we have. Whether you're a bus worker, Sunday school teacher, staff member, custodian, usher, deacon, it doesn't make any difference at all. It is not what I need to do to get by. It's a terrible habit to get into. The world may call it take pride in your work. God says it's virtue. Quality. It used to be a manly character. It's a godly character. Characteristic, that's what I'm talking about. Characteristic here. And so it is not, that's all that you said to do. I hate to hear that. If you walk across a parking lot and you see a piece of paper in the parking lot, you don't go like this. Hey, we hire people to do that. Well, first of all, you don't hire people to do that. Second of all, where's your character? Pick it up. It's not mine. It doesn't belong in the parking lot. Pick it up. Like your kids eating in church. If you had to be the custodian, you'd get some manly character about you. Ladies. Okay, there we go. Now, so let us not grow weary in doing things well. Stay at it. Quit doing things halfway. Quit saying it's an okay job. I, I, I can live with it. You can. My brother used to say this all the time. We'd be working real hard. He said, hey, look, before we get started, I don't want you to do this like you're doing it for me. Do it like you're doing it for the Lord. 
didn't catch to that. And, but he used to say weird stuff like that. People cannot see your faith. Only God can see your faith and only God can see your doubts. But people can see your virtue, your work, and his quality. You, can't, you cannot see how much I believe the promises of God. and try, You cannot see that. Uh, trust me, I believe God's word. You can't see that. It's just talk, right? Are you, are you following me so far? As I carry out my duties and spend my hours and sacrifice and, and do all these other things and bring people to church and counsel, now you can see that. Faith without works is dead. One is belief and talk. You say, I just have a real, okay, that's a doubt. That's all, everybody has that. But I'm going to go ahead and do what God said anyway. Here's what we do. We throw up our hands so quick. Well, see, it's not working. That's a good reason to turn and leave the Lord because you don't understand what God told you to do. Whether it makes sense to you or not, do it. No? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Right? Does it say children, understand your parents? No. Here we are as grown people, children of God. We want to understand God before we do anything. Same principle applies there. No, you do it and it'll start making sense to you. So God is saying, basically, I'm Father, trust me. I know you have doubts. I'll never let you down. You just do it because I said, and this is part of virtue. People cannot see your faith. So you have to, no matter what's going on, trust the Lord and keep moving forward. Give it your best at everything you do. What is wrong with us? Give it your best. Well, I know other people. Has got to stop doing that. We're talking about living for God. We're talking about influencing other people for Christ. We're talking about getting, for no other reason, be selfish and say, I want these six promises. That's a great, that's a great thing to go for, right? God said you can have them. Nothing wrong with that. But God said virtue. It's a manly characteristic. Excellence. Stay at it. Do the best you can. Don't ever stop doing well in anything that you do. You'll never, why would anybody ever regret doing well? Well, I did that. Look what they did to me. <laughs> um, I'm a terrible preacher, right? Uh, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all thy might. It goes back to justification, and I don't want to get into this part, but I'm going to. Okay, go to Romans. <clears throat> go to Romans chapter number uh, four. Romans chapter number four. What does justification have to do with this? Romans chapter number four. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans chapter number four. Okay, verse number five. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now here's where people get confused. You read in Romans where it keeps talking about works. I'm sorry, it keeps talking about faith and how man is justified by faith. You go over to the book of James and he says you're justified by works. Put that aside because we know that's not true. 
Something's wrong between here. I don't understand how these two things fit together. So we find out in Romans chapter 4, verse number 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So he's saying, your works has nothing to do with your salvation. It's believing on Christ. There's where your righteousness comes from. Look in Romans, uh, go, to, go to James, and, and you find out here, James said you're not justified by faith alone, but by works. That's what James said. You show me, you show me your faith without works. Good, do it. You can't. It's just talk and belief. You can, there's no way you can prove how much you trust the Lord by just talking. But you can't buy works. So James says, you show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my work. Okay, which one of these guys are right? Is it Paul who said, no, 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 it's faith alone. That's how you get righteousness. James comes along and he says, you want to prove your righteousness? Okay, faith without works is dead. I'll prove my rights. I'll prove myself by my works. So which one of these guys are we supposed to believe? If, who was right? Is there a contradiction? No, Christians are to bring alongside their faith virtue. God can see your belief and your faith and knows if you are justified or not. God, God can see that. But man, whom we're living among, must try, we must try to influence them for Christ, cannot see your faith and cannot see your belief. But they can determine faith by works. That's what James is talking about. So they're not contradicting each other. They're actually pulling up alongside each other and saying, that's exactly right. You trust Christ, and now you better live that way too. Why? God can see your faith. God can see your belief, whether you have works or not. But man can't. We live with men. We don't live with God yet. And so because of that, the way that we're living, it's no wonder we're not winning and influencing more people. We're not doing things excellent anymore. We're doing just what we have to do to get by and go on with our life. We go to work to make money and to, to fraternize with other people that are there. You're not there for that. You're not there, but our, when I was working at Rockwell, they actually had whole cafeterias and family days and, and places your kids could, your whole family could come and live there. And I kept thinking, why in the world would they do that? To make work seem like it's the center of everything. Work is what your life is all about. And when you get ready to quit, they go like this. We can't do this without you. Who are you kidding? They did it before you got there, and they'll do it after you leave. But they, God is believing this kind of stuff. And so we give in to them, and it's not working. We're not influencing a lot of people that way. So virtue is very important. In other words, the characteristic of doing well, whatever you do, I don't care if it's preaching, teaching in Sunday school, I don't care if it's sweeping the parking lot, give it your best. That's what irritates me. I said, um, I was mopping the floor, and they fired me. I was working, Mom. Honestly, I really was. No, you're lazy. You're trying to get over. You're trying to get paid money for no work at all. I will fire you. I like what Brother Fledger, my, my brother used to do the same thing. When I walk across a parking lot, well, actually, where's Gio? Gio, uh, oh, it's up there. Uh, we went out soul winning back a few years ago, and he's a lot smaller. And the place where they dropped us off had three stories of apartment buildings. So you got an old guy and this kid. And so... He's got the steps all the way up to the top. And finally, I'm going, okay, I'll tell you what. You take the top ones, and I'll take the second floor, and then we'll both go down that way. And he did. There's no big deal about that. But you have to understand something here. I was giving it my best at my age. Could he have outdone me? Sure he could. But you walk alongside. While we're walking along, 
tendency to walk behind me back here. And I always like to say, we're not in the Orient. You don't have to walk 10 paces behind me. Get up here. But that's what people do. You have to understand something. There's a right way to do things. When we first tried to rent the storefront over here, I had all the good intentions and belief that I would pay my bills and I'll do what's right. We never met me before that. We just talk and believe. Actually, I used the same phrases that the people before me used. Trust me, we'll pay our bills. You can, you can trust me. I always, I always do what's right. I probably used the same phrases that they used. Problem is, he looked at me and said, no, I can't trust you. You just met me. How can you do that? You see, what happened was I told him we we're doing the Lord's work. I want to use this for God. We're going to build a church. And, it's, and he said, no, right off the bat. I said, you, know, you don't even know me. He said, I know people like you. Well, he didn't. But what he did, this person said, trust me, believe me, I will do. I come up and said, trust me, believe me, I will do. So this guy here, because of his lack of virtue, character, excellence, keeping his word, doing what he said he would do, caused somebody else out there in the world not to trust a Christian who would do right. This happens all the time. Why has these people got this against me? It's really not you. It's those who come before you that would not do what was proper. You made it real tough on other people. That's why you pay your bills and keep your word. So when we finally got in, we helped pay other people's bills because they didn't keep their word. You said, why would you do that? Because then you really trusted us. You do something that's not required for you to do in the behalf of somebody else, you got their attention now. Not my bill. I don't have to pay that. You're right. I didn't have to. But then it wasn't even six months later, the guy came to me and he said, that storefront up front, you, you still interested in that? I didn't go to him. He came to me. He came to me. And so uh, that's the way that that works, okay? So explain. The second building, uh, anyway, I just talked to him. He came to me and, and asked me to rent that. Some Christians are, you know, they're just lazy. They do nothing. They talk Bible. They talk Christianity. Uh, they talk. They talk. teach other people but they don't do I'm not chastising I'm saying if you want these promises God said virtue is something you got to get in there right up next to your faith you got to have you got to get some manly character some quality about you you got to get this thing that says I, when I work I do it right when I work I do it until it, it's the best that it can be done and this is what we're lacking nowadays I don't care if it's painting walls in here we're in a, a office working in there I'm watching this guy work so is Gio Gio walked in and said come on you better paint on here and uh, so we're doing he said was that him I said no it's me he goes oh good job um do you understand? I don't care if you're painting a room, checking for bugs. I don't care what you're doing. Get some excellence about you. Virtue. Not power. That, by the way, that is power. It really is. You start doing things right, you'll catch people's attention. They'll start listening to you. When they're looking for work, this thing about your name being out there more than passing out cards and going online, as soon as they find out you don't keep your word, yeah, a lot of people are going to get online. Yeah, they're going to tell you this guy's not worth a nickel. But you get a guy that doesn't advertise and doesn't say much, if he's really that good, word of mouth will get around. 
He'll have more business than you would trip to do with. I knew a kid out of high school helped build our all of our buildings on the other side. He was just barely out of high school. He had five brothers, I think, uh, and his grandfather was, they're all builders. His grandfather specialized in trim and hanging doors. He had more work than what Grandpa did because when he pushed the door, I don't care if it was, what it was made out of, you push it, it just slowly. He wasn't satisfied until he got that way. He had more work to do. This kid right out of high school helped build all those buildings over there, and he never did a project for in his life. All of his brother-in-laws were all in building. One of them even helped build a wooden bridge across a small stream. He never done it for. Beautiful. Gave it their best. That's the way they were trained. Whether you got all the pay you want or not, and they got all that they wanted when they did the job because they knew they could be trusted. They knew they would lived out near Amish people. And that's something, you know Amish people know how to work. Why don't they say that about you or me? Christians, you know how the Amish are. They really know how to build. When did that happen? What happened to us? Keeping your word. You know something, I, I don't think I know how to fix this. I apologize, I just don't know how. Well, I'll figure it out. And then you don't, then what do you say? It's the best I could do. I'd just soon shoot you. That's not very virtuous, is it? So what happened? Start showing your faith by your works. Get some character about you and do something with what you say you believe. You sit here and amen me, and I appreciate that. I really do. And you shake your head, you smile, and you laugh at my goofy jokes and whatever. I poke fun at people. You do all that. Can I ask you something? Everything that you do, you give it your very best. Not just what you choose. I'm thinking of uh, the mouse. They are as competitive a people as anybody I've met. Even her. She doesn't even like men beating her. She will not give in to a man. Actually, she said, I wouldn't marry my husband if he let me beat him. I said, whoa. She's amening right now. Yeah, that's true. Now, first thing we say is, I just don't think I can know how to do that way. Well, there's a there's a guideline there, but you start beating up the men around here, you got to knock it off. What about all the other areas of your life? Isn't it strange when she says this? I'm not setting you up. She goes like this, preacher. I like staying home. I love to clean my house. You're weird. I don't know too many women that say that. I love to take care of my husband, my kids, and clean my house. I'd love to see that with her. Do you? You go check this out one time. Okay, you think that's odd? How about this? Yeah, well, you know how the kids are. They just throw the clothes in. I don't have time for it. Dishes still in the sink. Who's the quality, ladies? Now don't don't bow your head. We're not having prayer. Not time to leave. I'm just saying. What about that? Excellence. It's not just applies to men. It is a manly, a masculine quality that would fit everybody. Do things excellent. Do it with all your might. Ready? I'll close with this. Reflect your inward faith by your outward actions. You believe that much? That your actions show what you say you believe. What you say in here and in here, show it out here. 
I, uh, I did come up seven days. I, I spent about two and a half days at home working on my yard. Um, I've been interrupted a couple of times, and my schedule's been all thrown off. And so I took, and so I have to get everything done in two and a half days. And so I'm doing a big truckload of mulch, two, two truckloads of mulch, no, one truckload of mulch, two truckloads of dirt, mow the yard, trim the yard, sow seed, kill the weeds, and then also get my car done. Two and a half days. I didn't know it. Brother Fletcher, <laughs> Brother Fletcher said, Preacher, I was starting to come over. I was kind of worried about you. I just wanted to come over and see if you're all right. Because they know this time of the year, i got to get everything done in a short period of time. I can't let this go while I take care of that. So I've got to work it in. I've got to give it all i got. Now, I will tell you this. Rigor mortis almost set in about the second day trying to climb up on the back of that truck, my thighs were saying, you're not doing this today. You're not doing it. Shoveled and wheelbarrowed and all of that. I'm trying to make you feel sorry for him, but I guess it ain't working, so there we go. But you have to understand, okay, what is done? I had an old man. I had an old man walking down the street. He's walking a Labrador retriever. He looks at me. He had to be 50s or 60s. You know what he said to me? Hey, old man, you're pushing the envelope, aren't you? <laughs> Had to agree with him. Yeah, I think you're. I think he's right. Whatever you do, do it well. Just do it well. Don't do it halfway. This should be good enough. You're representing God. And besides that, if you want these big-time promises, and they are big-time promises, these things have to be in you and abound. Abound. So the first thing, faith, bring virtue right up alongside. I hope that helps. Father, thank you so much for the Bible. 